everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina, marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. Today, I get to interview Amy Schneider. Amy is a wife, mum, businesswoman, and a Christian. When she's not busy attending school performances, shuttling kids to practice, or selling real estate, you can find her refining her parenting app, Social Grace. Before the age of 30, Amy found herself as a girl mum of four with a busy real estate career and a house full of chaos. Amy's family isn't typical. She had two children with her ex-husband and then two babies with her current husband. This came with multiple sets of grandparents, differing parents, parenting styles and nobody could keep the expectations to the kids straight. Through this challenge, Amy learned how to co-parent with Grace, excellent communication skills and the Social Graces app was born. And this is why I decided to interview Amy here today because of her experience of totally chaotic, lots of people involved. And in this day and age, it isn't so unusual right so most of my friends are divorced um they may have got together with somebody else who has kids um who they have parents of grandparents and so forth and so on so um i thought that any of anybody listening here that is co-parenting that this conversation was quite an important one to be having and amy's story is quite extraordinary in fact extremely deeply moving because it was through her patience and humility and love that she didn't lose her children to her ex-husband. So if you're intrigued by that or you just want to know how to better co-parent or you're struggling to co-parent but you'd love to do it in a more joyful and efficient way, then come and join us today and in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Amy. I'm super excited to have you here. So as I've said in the bio, um, you are the founder of a co-pairing app, which I'm going to be asking you about um, on the show, of course. But let me start with this. Um, So you're obviously co-parenting. And I'm curious... You know, how did the app come about? Because, of course, from from going from splitting up to, you know, dealing with the whole sort of divorce side to coming out the other end and now being in a new partnership with with more kids. Um, yeah. I'm curious how all of that came about, really. Sure. So um, uh, my we, we got divorced uh, when my children were really little. So they were two years and nine months. And during that time, of course, it was very... Uh, tragic to be honest. Um, but nevertheless, um, yeah, I ended up uh, getting through that part and, uh, we have a 50, 50 joint custody with our children. And so the court order was that they would go to my house for two weeks and back over to his house for two weeks. So you could imagine that 
uh, the re-entry to our house, uh, we had some adjusting um, to do. Uh, not that he parents in a bad way. It was just different. And the kids were young. Um, and now we're talking kindergarten age. And I just couldn't get a grip on the re-entry, quite honestly. And the poor kids were so confused of who to listen to and what rules to follow. And, um, you know, I had tra- I had tried every chore chart imaginable that you could think of. I've, I tried the ones that you hang on the fridge. I tried marble charts, uh, marble jars. I've tried sticks and all the things and, um, and nothing worked, uh, longer than maybe two to three weeks. And that was, I figured that out because my kids would go back, uh, every two weeks and then they would come back and it was like relearning all over again. Um, and it was just very frustrating. So what we ended up doing is, um, one Christmas I was, looking for a system. And I had found a system on paper that had worked, but I, I couldn't find anything digitally. And obviously we all have our phones attached to our, our hands at all times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, so you know, that's the reality, right? Like, uh, even when I, cause we do sports and we're in and out of church stuff and we're at, you know, events. And I'm like, I need something that can come with me. I can't have it hanging on a, especially with four kids. There's no way to remember everybody's, <laughs> everybody's, uh, point count and rules and all that. So I started looking into it and it was no easy feat. Quite honestly, looking back, there were things, uh, if I were to talk to somebody today that was a mom going to create an app, I would sit her down and say, here's the route to go. Here's the route not to go. Save yourself time and money. Uh, and I didn't realize getting into it, how expensive it would be, to be honest. Um, I ended up funding it entirely myself uh, and my husband now, and it's been challenging. Um, we haven't given up on it, but you know, there's times when you're like, oh my gosh, cause you know, we're the only investors and it's a product we truly, truly uh, believe in. So, uh, there's a lot of passion and drive behind it. But nevertheless, uh, that Christmas, uh, I started looking into it. It took about a year for us to get it from, um, paper, uh, into a prototype. So I met with designers and I, I have a dev team and they actually are out of India and they were referred to me by a client. Um, I sell real estate full time. So my client that I actually sold the house to had referred me to these guys. They were wonderful. And, uh, we're in it, uh, almost three years now. And, uh, and it's been great. Um, the, the one thing that I love about this app is that you can invite your entire village, whoever's raising your kids, whether it's mom, stepdad, stepmom, grandma, aunt, babysitter, uh, the app allows your whole village to be united. And I think that's very rare uh, for this day and age um, is what we, what we were finding. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where it started out of that's, a need. <laughs> out of a need, right. Yeah, no, I, that's, yeah. that's really inspiring. I love the fact that you had a problem and then you just went and sort of said, right, I'm going to go and solve it now. Um, that's, that, that's what I found with most businesses that, um, do have a really passionate drive behind them, which is, Mm -hmm. this is a solution that we found. So here, why, you know, let's share it. Um, what kind of really jumped out at me when you were talking was the sense of two households. So, Mm -hmm. um, if we can go back to that point where, Mm -hmm. 
Sure. You would split up because I know having done so myself, you know, my, my ex-husband now lives in the States. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting. And I live in Spain. So it's not sure. just around the corner. No. Uh, and we do 50-50. Can you imagine? Okay. My so gosh. That's quite interesting. It um, is. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> like, uh, how, did, how do you do that? Um, yeah. So yeah, he'd always had a dream to go to the States. And I was like, well, could you just not put that off for a little bit? Um, yeah. But no. Um, so we've had to muscle through this, weirdly enough. Yeah. And there have been difficult moments where we've both kind of said, well, I want my son here and I want my son over there. But somehow we've kind of come back to this case in point, which is a, a, a sort of a vision that we held right from the outset, which is mm-hmm. that our son first, like whatever mm-hmm. we decision we decide, let's put our mm-hmm. egos to one side and let's actually... Um, look at this from the perspective of our son. Yeah. So we always come back to that. It's almost like whenever the ego gets in the way, Mm because it does, Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of go back, well, is that the ego talking or is that actually what's really good for Leo? Right, right. Um, And, you know, kind of putting that aside, it's like this, these rules and, and, and different ways in which we parent. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if this has happened to you, Amy, but certainly for me, when when my ego gets in the way, I, I look at my ex and I go, "He's such a bad parent." Oh mm-hmm. my god, I would never. Mm-hmm. That. I'm with you. <laughs> um, and then when there are moments where I'm in that place of compassion and love, I actually see it really differently. Which is, he's just really different. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. can I ever expect him to parent in the same way? Exactly. And actually when I'm not sitting in my own self-righteous mother stool, Mm -hmm. I actually see the beauty in how he parents Mm -hmm. and how actually him parenting in the way that he does it uh, actually adds to Leo's life as opposed to takes away Um, Mm -hmm. because he actually has – he actually has, um, you know, some skills that I don't. Well, mm-hmm. he has better skills in some areas and I have better skills in other areas. And yeah. so we kind of somehow complement each other. So how have you found that, Amy? Like, does that resonate for you? Is that somehow yeah. something that you've seen to be true for you too? Yes, I think you you hit it right on the head with that because um, I think for me, um, I have four daughters. And so you could imagine the amount of emotion uh, going back and forth, but I I agree with you 100%. Um, I think when I created this app, I needed a level playing field for both of us to start on. And that meant putting the kids first and really uniting in what we were going to be expecting of them and getting eliminating that gray area where moms go like, where you want to teach your with child responsibility, accountability, kindness, joy, happiness, and responsibility. And I found that my, my ex-husband was more of the friend of very, he was very playful, something I'm really not. I'm more, um, we're very structured over here. So, uh, I just, I found that I needed a level playing field for him and I, that was gentle enough, but effective, if that makes sense. So when when we when I started looking at this and and he's now married and also has uh, two kids with his wife who are 
from her first marriage. So we are extremely blended over here oh, wow. and there is a lot <laughs> going <laughs> on. It's like, is that like 10 kids you have already? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's a total of six, um, five girls and, uh, wow. one yeah. That's one lucky boy, huh? <laughs> it is. Yeah. And he's the oldest and, oh, he's just so wonderful. They're really amazing kids. And, and honestly, um, my, uh, just to throw this out there, but my, uh, ki- my kid's stepmom, if you will, is fabulous. She is an answered prayer, quite honestly. And she has really helped um, give my ex-husband a different perspective on parenting girls because girls are different than boys, of course. So, um, so when we, so when I started going back through this, I realized that just like you want to put Leo first, I needed to figure out how are we going to put my daughter's London and Maddie's needs before my own and before my household and before what I thought was to be true. And the way he was doing it wasn't quite the way I would technically do it. And then I realized fear-based parenting produced Mm. a harsh response. That's so beautiful. I hmm. So the fear of them not, you know, always being on their best behavior, the fear of them not always having the habits I want them to have, the fear that when they're over there, you know, it produced a harsh response to my husband now because I would be worried, you know? And so um, keeping that in mind and really going um, from a, coming from a place of love and putting his parenting and his needs and his household before my own and really stepping back and going like, okay, we will work together on the big issues. We will work together on the everyday issues. And my household is going to be different than his household. And I had to surrender to that fully, 100%. And at the beginning, um, I left, He, we were both in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I ended up moving back to California where I grew up. And the custody was that we would have 50-50 and meet at a state line and hand over the kids. Oh my God. <laughs> So, and we did that for almost two years while they were little babies and they would go not two weeks at a time because the little one was nine months, but they would go a week on and week off and I had no communication with them. Um, it was very challenging. And I think in order for me to get a grip on things, I had to, I really dug deep and thought like what, and I, and I actually come from a household of divorced parents. So I realized then what I needed then. And I needed consistency. Um, I needed my parents to get along. And that was something, you know, this was our mistake. And and my children weren't going to bear the burden of that. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I can totally relate. It's not easy. And this co-parenting tool um, really has brought peace and grace and mercy into both of our homes. Because we our kids are doing the best they can. Him and I are doing the best we can with the situation we have. And, um, that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. So. That's amazing. And, you know, when I was listening to you speak, what came to mind was the, something that I've learned along the way that isn't so easy to see when you are angry, pissed off, hurt, Mm -hmm. uh, being self-righteous, which I am a lot of the time now I'm joking, but you know, it happens, right? Um, Which is that I can never expect my ex-husband to do the things that I would do because that's just defeating reality in that we all have separate realities. Mm -hmm. 
we all live in our own reality. There's not one person that's not actually experiencing their reality in the same way. Right. And if you come from that perspective, then the expectation to think that that person is going to parent in the same way that's going to be, that's going to tell them the same things, that's going to act in the same way is, is, is a recipe for absolute disaster. So when I kind of came to peace with that and just went, you know what? I can't expect him to parent any other way than how he parents. And yes, he can always improve. And it's amazing. Like he's had his own insights as of, as of I, uh, around, you know, his parenting and, and how best to do it. But what I, what, you know, what I then saw was that if I just leave him be to get on with what he needs to do, yeah, that seems like a far better way for Mark, my ex, to have his own insights about his own parenting rather than me coming and going, no, I don't think you should do it that way. Right. And there's an op- there's a there's kind of like a space that's created in that there is an opportunity for understanding. Yeah. Like, yes. how can we do it that way? What's behind that? You know, that, that sense of curiosity rather than going into blind rage of judgment, and criticism, <laughs> which is so easy yeah. for us to do, right? It's like, yeah. Yes. How you do it's, that? I do not like it. As I know it's all fear. Yeah. Yeah. So I love your story, oh, Amy. Yeah. Because it really kind of points to something that we all go into, but that doesn't necessarily work so well. And, you know, if we do it, it's part of being human and that's all good. And we learn from it. Um, we right. can learn from it. That's, that's definitely what I've seen. And, you know, my ex certainly has his moments with me, which is like, he wants to control. He wants to make sure that I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. But if I look at, take that on face value, then that's when I, my, my feathers get ruffled because what right. I'm actually hearing is he just wants the best for our son. Like mm-hmm. I do. And sometimes he doesn't express it in the way that I want him to, yeah. but I know underlying his, his insecure actions or in the way that he's asking me to do it. What he's really saying is I just want our son to be cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Marina, you know, what's interesting is, um, so not only is it difficult to co-parent in a divorce situation, it's really difficult to co-parent with my husband. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if every, I don't, I think, I don't think I'm alone in this, but you know, co-parenting is challenging because we all come from a different place and we all were raised differently. And so co-parenting across households is challenging and co-parenting in the same household is, is difficult in its own sense is that a lot of parents aren't united in the way that they're going to bring up their children. So the f- arguments you have in-house just have to be resolved in a different manner. So you don't go to bed upset, but nevertheless, I think this app brings up a lot of talking points for parents mm-hmm. and it also unites parents who are married because I can tell you, my husband and I, we came from two different households and we parent completely different. And, you know, he, we got married when I already was with Lennon and Maddie and, and he kind of jumped in and I'm, I did 
primarily all the parenting. So I, I was comfortable and he didn't have to step in because they were my kids and that was fine. But when we first had our own, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is not what we're doing. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. And I'm like, okay. And we were in and out of counseling because we could not agree. And he was raised as one of five boys as the youngest, and I was the oldest of four. So not only were our rules different in the household, but he was a baby in the house and he was treated as such. So there was no wrong he could do. He had no boundaries. He was, it was a free for all for him. And for me, I was a worry wart. I was, I didn't want to mess up. I, you know, helped take care of my little brothers. And so for me, I had a whole different role and idea of how we were going to parent our kids. So after it's funny because this app was created while we were in therapy as well, <laughs> because she was like, you guys need to go home and talk about what's going to be acceptable and what's not. And I just thought like, we've really never had a great conversation about this because I've always just handled the parenting. But I can tell you this as a wife and a mom and, and now a divorced you know, as a divorced person, not having the support from the dad is, is challenging. Uh, Not having the support from the other party uh, is, makes it really difficult to be secure in your parenting. And sometimes you just need that reinforcement, right? Sometimes when your child is challenging you, you just need somebody to come in and be like, listen to what your mom said. She's right. And, and that's what I needed. And, but we had never talked about it. So what's great about social graces is it allows you to create these contracts that are great talking points. It opens up those lines of communication that you would never usually have with your spouse, with your ex, with your children. And it lays it out very, very clear. So there is no gray area. Everybody knows what's expected and everybody's clear. It's not like, when you wake up the next day, something's going to be different because you have a different a parent in the house that makes you feel really insecure. Quite honestly, kids need that boundary. They need those boundaries. They need to have structure. They need to know what's expected. Just like when they walk into their classrooms every day, they know what's expected of them. That makes them feel very, very secure about being at school. And I wanted to create that environment. And if I rewind a little bit, I've been in people management my whole life. I've worked in restaurants managing many, many people. And after I had kids, I was like, how come I cannot manage these little people as well and as efficient as I could a restaurant full of older adults? And the one thing I realized was in the beginning of when you hire somebody, you go over what's expected of them in their position. And I was not doing that as a mom to my children. So they, it was very unclear what was expected of them in this household was were they now making their beds? Uh, were they now cleaning up the bathroom? Were they washing their own dishes? You, when they look at you, are you at, are you demanding eye eye contact? All of these little things that we kind of take as they come, but we never fully establish them clearly. And that's what I really saw where the breakdown was: is that when we don't establish things clearly, there's room for error, and the error was just that. So. Wow, that's really cool. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, Leo's now three and a half, so uh, I guess he can do his own dishes. But Mm -hmm. I just, it's funny, right? Because there are just certain things that haven't even occurred to me just like that. Like, um, it's very 
it's very obvious to me that Leo loves to choose his own clothes. So in the morning, we now make it a ritual that he chooses his own clothes and he can choose between A and B and that's it. Otherwise, B, C, D, E, F, G will be, a, will be there for right. But um, <laughs> But you're absolutely right. And I've never really sort of considered that point of consistency because sometimes I ask him to put his bowl away and sometimes I don't. I just forget. Sure. Um, and so he obviously doesn't, he, you know, he's growing up thinking, well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but actually there's no consistency. So yeah, that's really, well, that's certainly an insight for me as I'm, I'm as I'm hearing you speak. So, um, I'll take that away now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A golden moment on the, on this episode. Um, yeah, like, thanks for bringing up that point. Of course, you know, we t- talk about exes, but actually talking about the people that we actually live with and how they play a big part in all of this. Um, and I, and I guess it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on, which is, is we can't expect people to be anything other than who they are in that, you know, their backgrounds, their experience, um, not going to be the same as ours. And to expect that is a recipe for disaster. So I either think there's an acceptance there or you've created this amazing app that allows for a dialogue, which I think is uh, an incredible way to approach the differences in one's own life and, and that of someone else's. I've certainly seen that with my ex-husband where we would have differences. And then, like, I'll give you an example. So uh, he was very set on Leo being educated in the US. And I was like, well, that really brought my own back up against it. And I'm like, well, I'm very for him being educated here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you say, and, and you know, we can justify until we're blue in the face. But the only person that we're justifying it to is ourselves because the other person is not going to listen. And especially when you're coming from that place of self-righteousness and like, well, I don't believe that or whatever. So we'd end up having this, you know, argument about it all the time. And in the end, I was like, there's really no point in us having this conversation because actually all we do is argue when we get to this finer point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he's off doing his own thing. He comes back and basically he says to me, um, we now need to make a decision about what's going to happen with Leo over the next year or so. And I said, well, fine, what have you come up with? And he goes, well, I realize that if I don't want him to be away from me, then you must not want that for you either. And I was wow. like, wow. <laughs> wow. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's exactly what that, that's exactly what's going on. And he said, well, are you open to us doing one term here, one term in the U S and one term back here? And I said, sure. I, that, that, that really landed for me. It was like a, oh yeah, moment. And so I realized that there can be differences, but those differences are an opportunity for a much more connected dialogue of like what's going on underneath And what I saw was that actually he was just fearful that Mm -hmm. he felt like he wouldn't get to spend time with the quality time with his son. And I was fearful that I would, I don't want to be the visiting mother, you know, the mother that turns up on the doorstep and says, Hey, Leo, I'm your mother. Right. (laughs) You're right. Right. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. And so what we came to was what's best for Leo is 50, 50. And if that's the case, then how do we work towards that together? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And so Amy, I'm curious about something. I'm curious about, have you had comments around 
parents who really didn't think that they could get on at all. Like, you know, maybe you and I have been lucky in that we, we have a bit, I don't know, maybe we're open to making things work, but what happens when there are parenting co-parents who really just, really just don't get on, but they still have the other person, um, in their life and that the other, you know, the other person's part of their life. And have you found that the app has really helped with that? Like, have you had comments where it's really transformed other people's relationships? Yes. So in regards to other co-parenting relationships, here's the, the parents that don't want to make it work. Don't. Yeah. All I can say is you will never find the joy in life if you choose to stay selfish and self-righteous and prideful. There's no joy in any of that. You can't teach your child that. You can't teach your child to be loving and happy and joyful when you're bitter, resentful, and angry towards their father or their mother. And how detrimental to that to that child that that's the that's the picture their parents are painting for them. In fact, the other parents should talk about how lovely, how wonderful, how great they are. We have lots of big conversations about that in my house. The kids are starting to ask because they're nine and eight and they're going like, but mommy, like what happened? You know, and I, I have to tell them the truth. I have to tell them what happened. And mommy and daddy just could not get along. And that's the reality, right? <laughs> That's the reality. We couldn't get along. And because of that, you now have to suffer going back and forth and it's not easy. And I'm so sorry. Because we have to take responsibility for our choices. We have to take responsibility for our actions because that's, that's how our children will learn to take responsibility for themselves. If they see us just standing strong and, and being super prideful and not humble or vulnerable, then they won't either. From an early age, our kids start to mimic us and and express the same characteristics as us. And it's so important that we, from an early on age, whether divorced or not divorced, because there's parents that are married that have that same attitude, like that puffing chest thing towards one another. Uh, I've heard it plenty of times. But nevertheless, especially when you have a divorce situation, because already the kids think, why was it me? What happened? Why couldn't you just stay together? And especially now that I'm remarried, like, I don't understand, like, but why, why is Tim okay for you? But my dad wasn't right. So all these big questions. And so parents that are choosing to use this are, are choosing their kids first. If I can just say that, because they're, they're showing a willingness to do whatever it's going to take to set their families up to succeed and to be consistent for their children, to, to agree to parent their kids as, as um, consistent as possible between the two households, whether the temp in either house is different, right? I mean, our houses ran at a different speed than his house, but nevertheless, what we're expecting of our kids is going to be the same across the board. So when it comes to instilling habits, the habits that we want for our kids are 
are the same. I'm sure with you and your ex-husband, you guys want the same thing for Leo. You want him to be kind and considerate and accountable and responsible and helpful and joyful and happy. You don't raise kids going like, well, I want him to be, you know, I want him to be a fighter. I want to be mean and, (laughs) you know, self-righteous, prideful, like arrogant. No, of course not. Right. So we all have our kids' best intentions. It's just our pride gets in the way of making those good choices for them and, and demonstrating the love for one another. And they need to see that. In fact, uh, our divorce was not pretty. And uh, towards the end of it, because we were deciding where we were going to raise the kids, similar to you you um, and your husband, ex-husband, but I was in California and he was in Nevada. And once the kids became of school age, we had to figure out, well, where were we going to keep them? And we both had reasons why one should stay in California and the other should stay in Nevada. And, and whoever didn't move had weekend visitation or wherever the kids were going to be situated, the other parent would have visitation. So this was a very scary time for me. And he had hired um, a, a, a psychologist basically to, an, to analyze me as a parent for 20 hours with and with my kids to see if I was a suitable parent to be alone with my children. Wow. Now, as you can imagine, I was so taken back by that. But here's the thing. The psychiatrist was paid up front and his recommendation would be the outcome of my divorce, of where my kids would be raised. So think about that. Somebody else is going to determine whether I'll have weekend visitations or my, and my kids will be raised in Vegas or they will be raised here with me full-time in California. I mean, those are some pretty heavy things to go through. And I, I just can encourage parents going through the same thing. I never once said anything bad about him in there. In fact, I never felt angry with him, to be honest. I just wanted my children and I, I knew I couldn't be without them. But he was angry, of course, right? <laughs> like we all can get uh, in that time. But I, I in in those twenty hours, I never badmouthed him. In fact, I said he was a wonderful father. We just could not make it work, and I just needed the children to be surrounded by our family, which is all in California, so they could be raised with grandma and grandpa and all the things you want for your children. And but I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever it takes because I don't want him to not see the kids. That was never my MO, but his MO was to take them from me. So at the end of the day, uh, the recommendation was that I would have the children full time in California, unless he moved, then we could have 50, 50. And sure enough, I prayed long and hard, but he ended up moving and, uh, and we've been happily co-parenting ever since. And I, I never held a grudge, Rena. I, I just never did. I I don't want to live with that on my shoulders every day. And I know it would trickle down into my parenting. It would trickle down into my work. It would trickle down into my faith. And I just, I had nothing left to give him but a smile on my face and uh, and the opportunity to share in parenting our two beautiful daughters. So, Wow. <laughs> I'm, I've just become all emotional. That's just such a testament to your strength and to your faith and to the capacity that you have to love. Mm-hmm. But it's such a testament to 
how we all have that capacity within us to do exactly the same. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that story, Amy. That's really sure. touched me. Yeah. I can tell you, Marina, there were days where I would drop the kids off and could not even press the gas pedal because I would be shaking so badly to leave them because I had no contact with them, you know, and it was, it was challenging. And I, you know, I just encourage parents who are even on the brink of it, you know, just really think about, think about it. (laughs) Do not make a quick decision and, um, really think about the consequences because I did not think through them and I did not think about being away from my children and think that even somebody would rule against me having them that never even crossed my mind. And, um, you never know what the other person will do or is capable of. Even in my situation, he had never even been overnight with the kids. And I just had finished nursing and the judge ruled that he would have them without me. (laughs) So you just never know. And I, I just, yeah. So, you know, this app is much more to me than just an application for parents. It's really, uh, I've lived through this and I know it, it was needed. And I, I just wanted to be able to help other parents find that level playing ground between spouses and show them that if we if we truly put our children first and we don't we don't go after our relationships fear based that that you put them before your yourself and you kind of figure out where they're coming from that you can parent in harmony and you can parent peacefully our app has allowed us to parent four children peacefully without being aggressive and yelling and raising our voices And so I just, I'm excited to share this tool with the world because even though parents feel like they know what they're doing, we, we don't, we all could use a hand. We all could use an extra hand. And, uh, that's how social graces was born. Really? Yeah. Amy, like I'm really touched by your story. Um, but I, I wanted to just say like, you are really, it's it you're very inspiring and certainly testament to the power of love because you know from an outside in perspective people might think oh you're being weak and oh you know you should take him to court and oh mm-hmm. you know from a society perspective there's a sense of you need to fight back and i'd imagine that there was probably i don't know was there much of that going on um, were there people sort of saying that to you and, and just kind of say, you're, you know, you need to act or, you know, was there any of that going on? Yeah. So interesting that you asked that question because I was 23 at the time. I was very young. A lot of my kids, a lot of my kids, a lot of my friends hadn't been married or had any children at that point. So I wasn't really getting a lot of outside advice at that moment, but the advice that I was getting from my parents was to live in the truth, not in the lies. And that really helped me to put perspective into things like these things that are being said about me are not the truth. They are not true about me. And so it helped me not to get wrapped up in it. It helped me to, to not fret about those things. Um, 
I did a lot of praying and crying and yelling and by myself in my car on those six hour drives to and from to drop off my kids. We did a lot of singing and there was a lot of uh, times where, yeah, it seemed like retaliation seemed better, but that's just not my character either. I've never been somebody to be confrontational. I was always looking for peace since I was a little girl between my parents who were divorced, between friends. I wasn't a problem. Uh, I was a problem solver, not a problem causer. So living in the truth, Marina, really helped me to not believe the lies about me or the lies about the way I was doing something. If I knew it was to be true in my heart that I was doing the best I could, that I was a good mom, even the worst of moms can still be a good mom, um, That that's what I focused on. And if I could share one other thing, you know, you cannot replace a mom or a dad. You cannot fill that void with any other person, thing, place, nothing. So I knew that no matter what, as my kids got older, they would see the truth. And I no longer had to defend my position. I may have to wait a while, but if it kept going in that one direction that it was going down that rabbit hole quickly and it wasn't pretty, I I would say, you know what? One day they're going to see the truth and I'm not going to have to say anything. And here we are years later, eight years later, and we are, we get along and our kids are, are really well-rounded and they're loving kids. They're, they're thriving in school. They're great friends. They have strong faith and, and they're just wonderful. So there's so much hope. There really, really is for families going through a separation or a divorce. Um, there's a lot of, lot of hope. Yeah. Wow. Like your parents, like kudos to them. I'd love to meet them. Um, like, wow, that's amazing. Like that, that's to me is really, really, uh, exceptional to have, you know, your parents share that with you and, 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 and let that be the driving force behind the behavior that you, that you decided to, to, to stay with. Yeah. But, but also, I love the fact that you didn't get involved in the drama. Like I, I, you know, this is, this, this has definitely been a long journey for me and I'm still on it where you see the other person doing all these weird and wonderful behaviors and in the time it's, it can be so challenging to not take it personally, Mm -hmm. but actually it's them that's suffering because to do what he did I get it like anger, but you know, the anger, where's that quote? It's like, it's like drinking poison and wanting the other person to die. Um, you're the one that's actually poisoning yourself. You're not actually, you know, living in joy and living in love. That's, that's where we can enjoy our life. That's how we experience our life. And that's how we can experience how others can experience us. I remember this quote by a guy called Sidney Banks, and he said, you can only give away what you've got. If you've got a $20 note in your, in your pocket, that's all that you can give away. And so if you can, if you've only got, you know, if you've got love, then you can give that away. If you've got anger, that's all that you can give away. If you've got sadness, that's all you can give away. So 
this story is really kind of pertinent to, to that, which is what I really heard and what you were saying is that you had love in your heart and that's all you could give away. And that's just all, well, actually that's, that's incredible. You know, at the end of the day, that's what's, that's what's really important. Yeah. And at the end of the day, and we've all heard it, but love wins. It really does in every circumstance. You know, even when we're talking with our kids about being humble and vulnerable um, and putting others before themselves, we're teaching them to love without a condition to other people. And that is so important in our home. Uh, we, we talk a lot about other people and, you know, we're at the age now where kids are making fun of one another and there is some bullying going on and they're starting to feel different or, or fit in or, or all of that stuff. But we talk a lot about praying for other people, being mindful of other people. You don't know where they're coming from. Uh, you don't know what happened this morning before they went to school. So giving others grace because grace was given to us. And, um, and we, we choose to love. You have to make a choice, an intentional choice to love. Don't get me wrong. There are times where I steam up red in the face, but I take a breath before responding now because this, the first initial response is never going to be helpful. It never is going to be helpful. And just like I'm sure you're experiencing, you get an email or a call from your ex. The first response is never going to be loving. In fact, your first response is you're going to feel all the feels. You're going to feel almost like you're choking because you can't even believe what just Scott said to you. And then you're going to say, okay, I hear you and, and respond coming from a place of love, which is, I hear you. You can, we talk about respectfully disagreeing, which is acknowledging what the other person said and, and raising a few questions about what they've said, which is fair because we're not I don't want my kids just to hear and, and, and do all the time, especially with their friends. I would like for them to ask questions, be curious about why somebody would be doing something. But these are all, the way we parent shows our children how to parent, shows our children how to love one another. Parenting is the most important job in our lives. It cannot be taken for granted. And from the way we talk to our friends on the phone to the amount of time we spend texting and looking at our phones to, to the people we choose to hang out with, um, all the influences around our children, all of that matters. And we have to be intentional about our choices and intentional about raising our children. So. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, um, if you're caught up in your own insecurity, the best time is, is probably not to take action. It's just to sit back, take a breath and then do what you need to do next. Because I, as, as we were sort of saying, it's like, you know, hate begets hate. And, mm -hmm. and when we're defending our own reality, the other person just, just goes for it too. Um, and well, your kids are very, very lucky, very lucky that, that you've seen this for yourself and that actually um, that love is, is, is really the answer and love and understanding is really the answer. Uh, yeah. But also what I hear in your story is there was a lot of faith in that, that, that by coming from that place that you could actually 
there was somehow a sense of that, that things would work out on their own. And I've seen this time and time again, that when love and understanding comes first, that things just seem to work themselves out. Um, so Amy, I'm, I'm curious, what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days? Oh, that's a great question. So I've always struggled to be that type of parent that plays, working two full-time jobs and keeping a house and all the other things that go with that. I struggled to make time to play and it sounds so silly, but I, I'm doing just that. I'm, I'm giving myself a break on the housework. Uh, I'm, I'm doing things that sound fun to me, like playing volleyball on a weeknight. Um, I'm, I'm engaging in some uh, more women's groups that I, I wanted to be a part of, but just felt like there wasn't enough time. But I, I would say the number one thing is just playing with my children and being in the moment is, is what I've, I've decided to give myself more time to do. Because um, back in October, I can share that I, I stopped feeling joyful with my children. I just felt like it was such a task to continue to raise up good kids. And I, I'm not alone in this. And it was like, like, especially with four, one after the other, uh, all day long, which was great. But I just, I just stopped playing and just was so focused on scheduling and shaping and, and protecting their hearts and, and dissecting you know, going in and digging after why they were feeling what they were feeling, which is all good stuff. But then there's housework and there's other stuff on top of that. I had to say, you know what? All of the other stuff can wait. I'm going to play with my kids and we're going to laugh and have a good time. And I'm going to be silly again. I used to be so silly. And I just, I forgot how to be silly in all of this. And especially going through a divorce, I felt like I had to grow up really quickly in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And uh, my silliness left. My silliness left because my worry kicked in. Yeah. And I, I just, I wanted that back so badly. And so I started really focusing on all of the joyful things in my life. I mean, I started focusing on every day, even just being grateful for fresh water so I could have hot coffee to the clothes on my, the clothes on my body. Uh, you know, if I felt like complaining, I'd rattle off five things that I was, that were going well for me. Uh, just really changing my focus to be uh, joyful and not focus on the things that were kind of bogging me down. <laughs> so that's really cool. That, thank you for sharing that, um, Amy. You know, I think that's such an important aspect that we as moms need to also look after our joy, joy space and make sure that we're getting, you know, our joy time. Um, because that that then, as you said earlier on, you know it, it it's an it, it's an example that we're we're sharing with our kids. So, my love, uh, if someone wants to download your app, where can they find it? Sure, they can find it in the App Store. It's just available for iOS right now. Um, uh, Apple Play, or I'm sorry, Google Play will come later, but iOS in the App Store. And it's called Social Graces, yeah. Social Graces, and you can find out more at socialgracesapp.com as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Uh, wow. What an amazing story and such an unfolding of, 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 of love and understanding. And so I hope everybody that was listening in today enjoyed it as much as I did and certainly got as much out of it as, um, as, as I did. <laughs> so thank Aww. you so much, Amy. And until the next time, bye-bye for now. 
Bye-bye. Thank you. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek.